Hello, and welcome to Dark Nexus. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Rob. I'm the game master for this outing. We start tonight with the first book of Strange Eons, In Search of Sanity, by F. Wesley Schneider. We've got four players about to embark on this delightfully weird and wickedly twisted adventure path from Paizo. I'm Katie. I'm Paul. I'm Robert. And I'm Jenny. We've been enjoying listening to all the other awesome actual play podcasts out there. They've really inspired us, and we're totally excited to try our hand at telling a story together in this way. There are only a couple of things you need to know before we start. Number one, we as players have no idea what our own backstories are. All we know is that the adventure starts with the characters having no memories. And we've agreed to let Rob create our histories for us to discover as we go along. So we'll have the same experience as players as our characters are going to have. Number two, we have no idea what the other players are playing. At all. In any way. That should be all you need to know. And off we go. Dark Nexus, Act One. Prologue. Somewhere deep below the earth, something stirs, something massive. And as it stirs, ever so slightly, momentarily troubled inside the labyrinth of its unknowable dreams, the ripples are felt for miles. Across rolling farmland, dogs howl. In deep canopied forests, deer freeze in their tracks and bears hunker down in terror. Across a vast, mist-shrouded lake, waves form and grow, smashing boats against their docks. And on a rock that's seen its share of exorcisms, walls, halls, and towers creak, groan, and crumble. And then the dying starts. Your minds knew nothing of the earthquake when it happened, at least not consciously. But as you were thrown to the ground, your bodies felt the pain. Your ears heard the screams of rising terror. You smelled the sharp tang of blood on the wind. And these sensations left their marks on you, as you have left your mark on so many over the years. It is the events we survive that temper us. It is the companions with whom we survive those events that help to shape us, and it is our choices that define us. But without memory, what are we? Who are we? Without memory, we are nameless, and we have no story. So in a way, with no memories to frame your past, your story begins right now. Not at the beginning, but at a beginning. At a nexus, if you will, <laughs> a coming together. And this nexus begins in darkness. Lifeless, empty, devoid of thought or sensation. You are nothing, you are no one. The darkness is eternal without beginning or end until 
in the void, there is the sound of a bell. Then, a series of whirs and clicks, and then a voice, flat, genderless, inhuman. Locating. It's not language, per se. It's a word or an idea in your head. It's a direct mental connection, the transmission of somebody else's thought directly into the inside of your brain. Locating. The bell tolls again. And then, an image explodes into your minds from across the impossible void. You see a yellow city baking in the desert sun, surrounded by mountains. You hear a gluttonous cacophony of growls and barks like, like hyenas squabbling over a carcass. You hear screams, human screams, screams of pain and anguish. You see flags and banners and writing and none of it makes any sense. Then, close up, a face. You see the face of an old woman. Brown, wind-scoured, leathery skin, eyes cloudy with glaucoma, long, thin, wispy, gray hair, an expression of horror on her face. And then, it's all gone. There's nothing. Identify the nature of the interference. Bell tolls again. A stabbing pain cascades through your consciousness. Your awareness explodes in a rush of images. Too many to process. All overlapping, some yours, some belonging to others, some that just make no worldly sense whatsoever. Then, the images coalesce again, this time on a hut. A sand-blasted gray wooden hut lurking beneath the shadow of a hideous tree. A tree with human heads for fruit. There's a sickly sweet smell, a deep bass chuckle, and then there is pain, more pain, and then another face hanging over you, human, male, middle-aged, maybe older, it's got a long charcoal beard, dark circular glasses, tinted, tinted purple? maybe? A dark, flat, square hat? His mouth is clenched in fury. The veins on his neck are bulging. He's looking down on you, down on you from above, and his image in your mind as you look up is rippling, waving, distorted and twisted like you're looking at it through warped glass or through a rift or a portal. And then darkness again. But in this darkness, words begin to form in your skulls, echoing through the eternal damnation of your endless sleep. Remember! Hide yourself. Survive this. Destroy them. These words echo in your minds, bouncing off the walls of your consciousness for a moment. Survive this. Before their desperate insistence is muted by that first voice again, still flat, inhuman. They don't know who they are. Wake up. Wake up if you can't remember the The voice is cut off by another explosion of pain in your mind, which shuffles loose a terrible weight. A 
cloying numbness is slipping off of you. Gravity is suddenly coalescing into existence and you start slowly to fall out of the dark place. Falling, 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 falling towards a light, a sick yellow light. You're aware of your body now. You're aware of movement around your body, movement and voices. They hit you from all directions in the moments before you burst through the blasphemous yellow light. There's a female voice. She communicates in words you understand, but you don't think she's using language. Not really. Her words hit you in bursts. Your brain, after an unknowable length of time lying barren, is working overtime to try to process this stimuli. The female voice says what it says, maybe. We're outside. And both perished. Redeem yourselves and save. Which will you wake to? And a male voice speaking in a language you all understand, though you don't yet remember its name. She said to make you suffer, and so we shall. Body and soul, inside and out, there and here. <laughs> and a different voice, metallic, inhuman. You have been observed. This is not permitted. Initiate purge. The sounds and the sensations and the voices are speeding past you now as you fall into the sick yellow light. There is a final quartet of voices now, and these ones are very, very familiar. So familiar that you can't tell if they're coming from inside of you or out. Go, 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 go. This is your only chance. Go wasted. Come on, damn it. And then... You're awake. Your characters probably don't remember any of that. But you do. And here we go. Chapter one. <laughs> You're awake. Your heart is racing. You're gasping for breath and you're soaking wet. Like you've sweat every ounce of moisture out of your body and now it's clinging to your skin or like you've climbed out of a fetid pool and you're coated in foulness and you stink. Dear Lord, you stink. Body odor and fear and corpse rot. So it's hard to see. You feel like you're telling your eyes that they're wide open, but your field of vision is really, really thin. As though in reality, you've only just barely begun to open your eyes. You're enveloped in a sea of sickly yellow fog, which tumbles through the narrow canyon-like alley in which you stand. It's a city, you think. There are gray brick walls towering overhead above the fog line, or where the fog thins or where the fog lets you see through it and the walls are sagging in on you at uncomfortable angles. Distant buildings seem to be curvy or domed or arched, covered in cobwebs. No, filled with candlelight. No, there's people everywhere. No, it's empty. It's, it's impossible to take in. There are broken cobblestones littering the ground beneath your feet. Overhead, an oily purple moon bruises the sky. 
Though, of course, it's all nearly blotted out by the fog. Fog below you, fog beneath you, fog sliding into your nostrils like wet grease, fog catching in your throat. You have no idea where you are, where this is, who you are, why you're here, or what's going on. You can see that there are people with you. At least you think that you see humanoid shapes in the fog three or four, maybe five of them besides you, you're arrayed in an arc, in a semicircle. And then you hear the footsteps, heavy boots on broken cobblestones. The sound bounces off the walls of the alley and echoes through you and over you like radiation. The footsteps are getting closer and you hear a familiar laugh. We'll make you suffer all right. The instant you hear those echoing footsteps and that laugh and that voice, something claws desperately inside your brain and you feel this uncontrollable wave of icy terror sweep through your body. First roll of the campaign, everybody give me a will save. <laughs> We're gonna roll a 20-sided dice. Everybody's got a bonus to their will saving throw. And uh, what'd you get, Robert? <laughs> I got a nine. Way <laughs> <laughs> to kick it off. Katie? 17. Johnny? I rolled a 14 plus 4 for a total of 18. And Polly? I rolled an 11 plus 2 for a 13. Okay, so both Robert's character and Paul's character are shaken, which just means minus 2 to all attack rolls, saving throws, skill checks, and ability checks. And the second roll of the campaign is initiative. Let's roll for initiative to see who is going to act first in the combat we suddenly find ourselves in. That shaken condition applies to the initiative roll too, right? Yes. (laughs) Okay, Polly. 13. And Johnny. A total of 18. And Katie. I had a 13 plus 2 is 15. 15. And Robert. After my minus two for being shaken, <laughs> I got a seven. Oh, so, what could possibly? I think those dice are working out well for you. I think it's too early to tell. <laughs> did you say how long the shaken is in effect? I did not. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted. Though. So that initiative roll is going to determine who is able to respond most quickly, and then these combat rounds. We're gonna go in order here, and the first person to act is John. What do you do, John? Uh, the footsteps and the voice that I heard, yes. are they coming from a particular direction? Directly in front of your face. I scramble backwards and try to make myself as small as possible and like try to get to a wall or a corner or something. Now that you, so you start moving backwards, you notice you're wearing these really thin, clingy robes that are unnaturally tight, like it's like a, like a shirt that goes down to your Feet. And as you sort of fall backwards a little bit as you're stumbling back, you look down, it looks like it might be yellow, but that might just be the light. You notice that you, you think you've got something in your right hand. I look, I look at it, what is it? You pick it up, and through your strangely narrow field of vision, you see you've got what looks like it's a torch in your hand. It looks like a, so it's an improvised torch. It looks like a crappy, dinged up wooden table leg with rusty nails sticking out of it, wrapped in what appears to be a soiled cloth diaper, soaked in lamp oil, and lit a flame. Now like normally, so you feel no heat, 
there hadn't been any light that you detected down by your right hand. You bring this torch up in front of your face. It doesn't actually shed any light around you. Normally it would be like 20 feet of improved vision. But it, so it's there, it's in your hand. You could use it as an improvised weapon if you wanted to, but it doesn't seem to be shedding actual light or actual heat. And it's a filthy diaper. So how, how far back do you want to stumble? I'm going to throw it at the voice and then I'm going to run, run backwards as far as, as, far as you can. can. Yeah. Great. Okay, so give me, give me an attack roll with your little improvised torch here. So just make a regular ranged attack. This would be an improvised weapon, so take a minus four on that attack roll. And we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, rolled, oh, a natural three. <laughs> minus four plus three is going to be, what is it? Two. <laughs> okay, so it's a big miss. Where do you think the torch ends up? I think that probably I chucked it way too high and it goes skittering off somewhere. Oh, okay, so it bounces off one of the bits of the leaning, sagging walls. And when it hits the wall, you can see like a ripple effect as though the wall were made of water. And then the torch falls into the fog and vanishes and you start running backwards. Awesome. Katie, you're up, what do you do? When I say running backwards, I mean literally like running backwards. Not turning around, but like literally trying to back up. So you're always facing. So I'm facing, like I I don't want to turn away from this scary voice. I want to, I'm trying to back up as quickly as I can. Awesome, so Katie, what do you want to do? I take stock of myself and my immediate surroundings. Like where is the voice in relation to me? The voice is coming directly in front of you. You also feel like you're bound in some weird clothing. You want to investigate that? I do. Okay, so it's, it, again. Wait, it feel, is it an action? No, no, okay. I can let you. You can feel around with your, you do can whatever feel around I with, do with your free. left hand because you've got something in your right hand, you okay. do In your left hand, you can, t- yeah, you're wearing this weirdly tight yellow nightshirt sort of thing. You reach a hand up to your face. You're wearing a mask, a perfectly smooth, featureless mask that has a tiny little hole for the mouth and two tiny little holes for the eyes. And as you pull at it, it's it might be glued or sewed to your face. Oh, God. You can't get it off. Okay, I'm not going to try. Okay. What's in my right hand? You're clutching what looks like an oversized steel needle or something. It's over a foot long. Picture a two big knitting needle. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's just like knitting needle construction, but two and a half times the size. Yeah, it's covered in blood. <laughs> Your hand is soaked in blood, and there is an eyeball impaled on the end of the knitting needle. The eyeball is blue, and as you like lift it up, the eyeball falls off the thing and squelches at your feet, and it squishes under your bare toes. Wow. Sort of like Johnny's crappy diaper torch. You could use this as an improvised weapon if you wanted to, but uh, it'd be pretty crappy. But it's an option. That's so horrible. Okay, so the, the um, footsteps are approaching. Uh, uh, I, I move backwards as well. And are, are holding you? Holding the <laughs> horrible bloody needle out in front of me in, with both hands. Oh, so you're, you're backing up too? Yes. Give me a dexterity check. Okay. 17, 15 oh, plus two. Okay. You, your feet are, you're going backwards, you're going backwards, needle out in front of you. Your feet bump up against something like squishy and wet and you start to slip on it, but you manage to get your footing and sort of veer off in the other direction. And as you keep going backwards, it's a, it's a corpse oh, uh, lying there with the fog. Does actively. it have its eye? It doesn't look like it's had things stabbed in its face, if that's the answer to the question. Great. <laughs> Paul, what do you want to do? You are shaken with terror. So I, I don't witness what these other beings You, have. You, as far as you know, 
You're still in a neat semicircle with four or five other people. With a narrow vision, no, feeling kind of wet and gross. <laughs> yes. And there's something comes in. Okay, I want to try and clear my vision. I feel like I'm... Great. You're also wearing a mask, and as you bring up both hands, and I'm just doing what you just yeah. physically did, you bring both hands up, you can see around your left hand, you have a, a, a silver length of chain wrapped around it, like wrapped so tightly, it seems to be cutting off the circulation because oh. your fingers feel a little numb on the end, but it's like dangling down. It looks weird, looks more artistic than practical, but strangely large, like a necklace chain for a giant. Can you picture it? Like, so not like, industrial chain, right. but like that size, except delicate and finely crafted. Filigree. Yeah, and, but big, and it's pinching into your hand. Uh, you could use it as a crappy weapon as well, if you wanted to. And there is... Um, Something a, gross on it. No, there's nothing gross on your thing. I, uh... Okay, mask. Mask on your face. Right. You've got the same situation that Katie had. Mask is there. You try pulling, it hurts. Like, you think it might be so to your face. Right, great. I'm going to turn away. You're going to turn your back uh-huh. on the approaching footsteps. And try to run as fast as I can in the opposite direction. Okay. So you start running into the fog headlong and you can't see where you're going. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Robert, what do you do? The, um... <laughs> this, this voice that has shaken me, does it also seem like it's right in front of my face Directly as well? in front of you. Like, it is, it is I, just I, a heartbeat I, away. Like, does it, does it seem like it's within arm's reach? Oh, it sounds <laughs> like it might be. I punch where the voice is coming <laughs> Uh, give me an attack roll. So I'm normally. Oh, hang on! And as you're like bringing your hand up to this punch, you like you're holding this big chunk of volcanic black rock. Mm. It's like it's covered in blood and gore, like bits of brain, and it's sticky with clumps of yellow sand glued to the blood and the gore. But it would basically act like brass knuckles in this situation if you wanted to try to hit with it. So you I could will do try to hit damage. with the bloody rock. Same attack bonus as those. It's yep. uh, uh, <laughs> my unarmed, an unarmed attack. Uh, I'm normally plus five, but I'm minus two because I'm shook. Nine. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so you got this rock in your hand. Lash out forward, and you kind of like, with that nine, go a little <laughs> too far forward. You And you're also wearing this weirdly binding yellow nightshirt thing. Mm -hmm. You fall a little forward, there was nothing there, and in your right ear, as you lean past, you hear, and then the mist parts, and a mask of yellow rags appears, strips of something fleshier than fabric stretched over this sickly gray body that is too thin, too flexible, too lean, it's got a lamprey mouth filled with angled teeth. Strips of bloody yellow fabric blossom in the air off of it like the fabric is tasting the air. A razor appears, a two foot long razor, gleaming, vicious, heavy, horrifyingly sharp weapon designed to flay flesh. And at the sight of it, your sanity starts to slip. Give me a will save against this. Good. The pure good. sight of this thing. Oh, oh but I'm, I'm still shaken. I'm You're still shaken. Save, yep, saving throws. Yep. Okay. That's a better roll. So, 17. Oh, okay. That's good. Oh. So, you only take one point of sanity damage. Oh, God. <laughs> Is there a place for that on our it just Nope, I'm going to track so that fast. for you. Okay. And, Robert. That means you now have a madness. 
<laughs> Great. Let's figure out uh, how this mechanic works right away. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just right off the bat. I might be here a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. This might be fun. So one of them is a phobia, an irrational fear of a certain object or activity. So let's go with that. Like razors. Did you think, before anything happens yet, did you think you have a fear of horrifying teeth or of slashing weapons? Slashing weapons. Okay. All right, so you now have a phobia against slashing weapons. Every round, you're within 30 feet of a slashing weapon that you can see. You have to succeed at a will save or become shaken. The great news in this particular moment I'm is already you're already shaken. <laughs> but this is going to carry forward and when, until when and if you may ever get this madness cured. Oh, my God. Well, the first so that, of the campaign. that doesn't happen uh, just by resting, I'm taking Nope. <laughs> Well, resting for a long period of time. And we'll get into that the first time you can, okay. you can sleep. Holy um, crap. So oh this monstrosity in your ear. So it's, it's will, will save or I'm shaken? Uh, that, that's what you said? That, yeah. that is okay. Yeah. And I will help me remember next time you see a slashing weapon and I'll pull this sheet up and we'll walk through it. Okay. So he mean, he anytime he there's a combat with swords, yep. daggers. Axes. Axes. Yep. Exactly. But like, you know, rapiers are fine. Piercing. Okay, piercing. Spears are cool. Bludgeoning. Probably we don't have any axe master classes. No. no. If any of us happen to have a dagger out or anything like that. No, no but you, we have. you used to have a shitty torch and you threw it. So <laughs> this creature attacks oh you, Robert. And when it does, I'm going to show you some of the great art uh, for this guy. Oh, my God. Not a fan of the lamprey mouth, I got to say. You should have picked horrible teeth. You pick the weapon. Kind of looks like the mouth of Sauron. As the razor goes up in the air, oh, this is so Clive Barker. You have to make a third oh. will save. Oh my oh. god! Oh my god! I knew what I signed up for. Uh, that's a natural one, Robbie. <laughs> so you are now panicked. If you survive what happens next, you have to drop everything you're holding and run at top speed from the source of your fear. War razor slashes out. Does a twenty-two hit your well, armor of class? Of course it does. Oh, God. What level are we? <laughs> For eight points of damage, it slashes out again to hit an 18. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm wearing a robe. Uh, six points of damage. And third attack. Oh, my God. 21 yeah. for another eight points of damage. I'm at negative six. Johnny? Yeah. So you're still facing this. Uh-huh. The mist part's just long enough for you to see some dude in robes fall forward and this horrible monstrosity come out, slash, slash, slash with the razor. It slashes through the thin fabric of the robe that he's wearing. The last cut slides into his abdomen and you see him like shove and shove and then yanks hard and you see massive intestines go flying everywhere. Blood is all over the creature, blood is all over Robert's character's corpse, on the ground, corpse. on the walls, and the blood, as you're just staring in slack-jot disbelief, <laughs> Which the blood, is what I'm doing the right blood now. starts moving on the ground like as though it were worms, and you see the creature take Robert's character's corpse, lift it up in the air, and hold it above his head. Robert's character's corpse mouth opens. Oh no. And it says, me. And at the same time, you see the blood on the walls, the blood on the ground, form into the word me. And then the creature drops Robert's corpse, and combat will continue. Wow, that was fun. Didn't, I'm, uh, I'm so terrified. Make a second right character now. yet. 
You'd be the first. Sidebar here. Thank you so much to Sirenscape for providing the awesome music and soundscapes we're using. We're using the actual Strange Eon sound set. Please check them out. Round two. Johnny, so you've been you've been moving. Yes. You, you hit a what looks like a, a fork, sort of a Y fork. You can go left, kind of roughly in the direction where you came, or right up a hill. Which way do you want to go? Which one gets me away from this horrific awful thing? Right. Right. I okay. go right. You're gonna go right, and you're gonna just run as fast as you can. Uh, when I go right, do yep. I get to some place where I could hide? You go maybe like say 10, 15 feet or so, and it ends in a completely empty alleyway with no way out except for a sewer opening, and then what looks like spaghetti draped over this nearby wall, like a limp rope or piece of flesh that you could maybe grab and use to sort of like haul yourself over a wall. I'm, to. I'm gonna run back to that to that limp spaghetti first and see if I can get, I'm throwing myself deep into the mouth of this alley hoping I can escape from it. I'm All right. So, this is so awful. Great, so Johnny is running towards the limp spaghetti. Katie, what are you doing? I, I hate everything. I, uh, so is there um, in front of me still hearing that voice? Uh-huh. Then I'm gonna continue to run away. Great. Run, 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 run. You come to a T intersection to your left. You can go up like a really steep alley that's even more narrow. And at the next point in the T intersection, there's another uphill street. And then the next point is an alley that's going down. And after that, there are two different alleys, one heading up and one heading left. Where do you want to go? Oh my God, uh, the first one. Can I hear anybody else? like? You heard the screams of Robert dying. Am I running toward that now? No, you're definitely okay. running away. And you can you can probably hear Johnny's footsteps. You probably heard him like, bum, 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 like off to your right. You probably heard him stop for a second, and then you probably heard him go bum, 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 <laughs> as he ran towards the spaghetti. But he's he's like way off to your right. Also, I have no idea if that's a friendly you don't person know if it's a friend or, or a, foe. Yeah. So I'm gonna run away from all sound. Great. So that that first one, awesome. Still. Ready with that knitting needle. Great. <laughs> Polly. Yeah. Still running. Still oh, yeah. running. Great. <laughs> Never stopped running. You hit a wall. Like, it, you're, you're still kind of... They managed to find little alleys to go down. You're still in what seems like maybe it's a, a, a square or an open space, and there's a wall, like a two-foot-tall wall made of yellowish, grayish stone. It looks weak and wet, and you have this immediate sense of revulsion, like... This wall is a marker beyond which you do not pass. But there's like it's just open space to either side of it, and beyond it, you just see more cobblestones. I'm, I'm going to run to the left. To the left? Yeah. Excellent. So you run left, and you stumble into somebody else. Katie, you get smashed into <laughs> by somebody, and the mist parts. This was Paul's turn, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. The creature pulls out of the mist and takes a swipe at you. Oh. 17. Yes. Yeah. Okay, only seven points of damage. Okay. Second attack. 14. <laughs> okay. For uh, eight points of damage. Oh okay. my God. <laughs> Are you dead? I'm at negative six. Katie, so you see this person bump into you turn around, oh, and you can you can see his mask now. Mm. It is smooth, genderless, featureless, perfectly white. The creature rears out of the fog, 
completely cuts through his legs, his hip <gasps> bones, and you see this face with no expression get cut in half, and the body like boom, falls down, rolls to you, and the mouth opens up as Paul's character's head says to you, Save! The blood that has sprayed across your yellow gown is now turning into the word, like a, like a stain of the word save on the front of you. Yourself, right? Save yourself. That's what you're saying. Round three. Johnny, <laughs> you're at the spaghetti. Do you want to touch it? <laughs> what, 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 is, what does it look like? So what you immediately see is it looks like a rope as if somebody had drawn it on a piece of paper. It's featureless, no actual hemp. There's nothing bound around itself. It's just like a yellow squiggle. And it seems to be about rope thickness and it looks smooth and wet. And you can see that when it goes up over the wall, it seems to be kind of wrapped around something on top as though it's actually maybe tied to something. So like, all right, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna grab hold of it and try to climb up. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm grab so it and disgusting. try to climb up. Although my hands are like literally twitching as I reach towards it. <laughs> Give me a climb check. Oh God. Oh. This is so awful. Oh. Oh, no, a two. <laughs> oh, no, a two is what I rolled, and that's my total. Okay. Okay, so you reach into it, and you squelch into it, and it kind of it's like feels like there's tissue in there, but not a lot of muscle, and it's your hands are sinking into it, and you start to pull yourself up, and I think just the sheer disgustingness of what you're touching, like, Boom, you fall back on your back, and Katie, you look down as another person, boom, oh, runs at your feet. <laughs> and what do you do? It's my turn. Yes. Where's the thing in the mist? Right in front of you. Like, run away. There's a wall behind you. What are you where are you gonna go? I, oh God. <laughs> I grab the guy that just, the thing. Yeah, yes. The mask he, face, I assume. Humanoid person uh, in a mask. And shake him. Okay, Johnny, you're being shaked. Ah, get off! I'm clapping my hands. Try to pull it to its feet. That is going to provoke an attack of opportunity of for the creature. It <laughs> does a... Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, Johnny, this p person also wearing a mask and a yellow night shirt's like shaking you, like wants you to die, trying to kill you, and then you see its head just go... <laughs> Flying off as the war razor cuts to it. Katie's head off in the darkness says this. And you can see the blood on the wall that she had been backed up against squiggles and forms into the shape of the word up. Your body starts violently convulsing as though she was still shaking you. Her body is on the ground, her head is over there saying up, and you are being shaken, 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 shaken. And then something just snaps in the front part of your face, and you feel blood come gushing out of your nose, but you've got a mask sewed to your face, so the blood mostly goes oh. in your mouth, and you start oh. retching, and then the blood like spews out the front of the mouth hole, oh. and then splashes on the front of the creature, and the, he looks down at it and the letters start forming in blood. You first see the letter W, and then the letter A, and the letter K, and the letter E, and you're like, my nosebleed just spelled the word wake. What do you do? I start slapping my own face and try to shake myself 
awake hoping that this is a dream because I'm gonna die no matter what. Darkness. Whether for a moment or an eternity, you can't tell. And a voice shatters the silence. It's a man's voice. All four of you hear it. It's like, Raindrop, save me. Okay, who died first? Robert, you wake up first. You're all gonna wake up in the order in which you just died. And everything about, I'm about to describe for Robert will apply to you as well. You feel your entire body convulsing as if you're being vigorously shaken awake. And then you wake up with your face pressed against a damp, stinking stone floor. The air smells stale and metallic, like rust and blood. Your head is ringing, your pulse is pounding. You have the feeling of, I just had my intestines ripped out. Whatever that feels like. You have no idea who you are, where you are, what's going on. You do remember what just happened. Your eyes open. There's no mask this time. You got a full field of vision. You're in a cell. It's chipped, rotted white plaster crumbling off of rough-hued stone. There is a wall of iron bars a few feet in front of your face. Uh, despite the feeling having just been shaken, there's nobody near you. You, you know, for whatever reason, okay, this is real. This is happening. That was a dream. This is starting to come together in your mind. You don't really remember all the images and stuff from the prologue, but you do remember the, the, the dream city very vividly. Outside the cell, there is a makeshift surgery slash torture dungeon. A mm. uh, human man is lashed naked to a filthy table. He's middle-aged, bearded, salt and pepper hair, mostly white, pale skin. His lips have been split. His body is covered in a map work of razor cuts. He's just swimming in a pool of his own blood. Picture like a beaten down, wrecked, destroyed Benedict Cumberbatch with a crazy ass beard, whimpering. Is feebly. it the person we saw the that image flash? No. Okay. No. There's a discarded, pale gray coat lying on the floor next to the table that he's strapped to. There is a figure circling the table. Looks like a woman, a human woman, like starvation level thin. She's wearing a blood-soaked white doctor's coat. She's kind of giggling to herself. You can't see her face because she's kind of got her, her back to you. She steps to a, a sideboard covered in shiny blades and broken glass and beakers and flasks and hammers and all sorts of... Does she currently have a slashing weapon? She does not. <laughs> okay. But from amidst the, the glass and blades and a, a red belt and a pile of blood-splattered parchment paper, she picks up a pair of rusted pruning shears. You have kind of a moment of like, is, is that a slashing weapon? I think the GM's gonna say it's okay if it's not quite a slashing weapon. Because it looks more like you'd stab somebody with it. But it does have a blade. I don't know, so you're feeling a little uneasy, but I'm not gonna make you make the same yet. Okay. Uh, the pruning shears glint in the light of a torch hung overhead. She turns around, not looking at you, just kind of looking around. She's in, the, she's in her own headspace. Picture like a black swan era Natalie Portman. Hmm. Darling, your flesh is so fragile, is it not? However, have you survived this long? She looks around. <laughs> Woo! And she <laughs> cuts all the toes off the right foot of the dude. He screams. She laughs. 
your eyes are adjusting, you're coming into consciousness now, there is a cell directly opposite yours, someone is lying in it, naked, just like you, you're also naked, and everything hurts. And across the way, who is across the way from Robert? Oh, it's Polly's character. So what does Robert see when he looks at your body lying naked in the cell that you're in? He's a youngish human man, like in his earlier mid-twenties. He's well-muscled, but really pale and really thin, and there's something off about the way he's built. Like his head is too big for his neck. His hips are shifted to the side at an odd angle. His jawbone protrudes into a pointed chin. There's a, a light dusting of black whiskers. His fingers are long. He's starting to like push himself against the floor to try and come up. It's these long fingers and thin wrists. He has black hair that's cut asymmetrically, kind of hangs and covers one side of his face. You can see that his face had piercings. They're all gone, or whatever he was pierced with. There's like holes in his nose and his eyebrows. He pictured kind of like a goth Adam Driver, except he's all messed up. And there's, um, uh, there's two more details, one that Paul knows and one that he doesn't. So this young man seems to be rotting. There are small patches of his skin on his face, on his arms, on his abdomen. They are black and festering with angry red welts surrounding them. It is horrifying to look at. And like your first impression is this dude does not have long to live. Then the detail Paul doesn't know about, everywhere else on his body where he's not rotting, he's covered in scar tissue. Thousands upon thousands of cuts in his flesh scarred over and recut and rescarred and recut and it looks to your eye like maybe it's words or one word written over and over again but you can't make sense of the language it's not a language that you understand oh and speaking of language you do understand that the woman is speaking tall dane all of you know that language so he's rotting covered in self-mutilation but all that said the kid is magnetic your eye is just drawn to him and it's hard to pull away. The combination of his warped body structure and all the awfulness and strangeness on him somehow makes you want to look at him rather than to look away. <laughs> you can tell that there's another cell past the torture table, but the angle is bad. Can't tell if anyone's in it. But Paul, you're coming to you look across the way. Robert, why don't you tell us what, uh, what Paul sees? It's a huge, hulking, half-orc man close to seven feet tall and weighing, you would guess, nearly 300 pounds, all muscle. It's impossible to tell his age for certain, but this man is not young. He's been through the shit and only grown stronger, tougher, fitter, and meaner for it. His hair's a matted mess of dark green dreadlocks. Grungy, cavity-ridden, yellowing bottom tusks jut up from his pushed-forward jaw. His eyes, when you finally see them, are an almost glowing yellow, that seemed to pierce out of his gray-green skin. But in spite of the shocking brightness of the color of his eyes, when it comes to what is going on behind them, they can only be described as dull. His massive arms are covered with crude tattoos, probably done by hand, not by a professional. They are of seemingly random shapes that form sleeves up and down his biceps and forearms, the ink only slightly darker than his skin. 
He should remind you of, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, Hopfor Julius Bjornsson, the mountain who rides, the third iteration of the mountain who rides <laughs> oh, in nice. George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones on HBO. Nice. <laughs> and then two more details. Yes. Okay. So he's missing some fingers. The pinky on his right hand is gone, as well as the pinky and the ring finger on his left hand. The knuckles where those fingers should be are masses of blackened scar tissue. But Robert, for you, this does not feel like a fresh injury. It's become normal it's for you. What your body seems to expect to be the case. Okay. The other thing is, he's been branded. There is a crude shape burnt into the back of his neck between his shoulder blades. It's like a squiggly line of sorts, maybe a wave, maybe a crappily done lightning bolt. Also doesn't look recent, probably done a long time ago, obviously. He has no idea it's there, but, but you do, Paul. The guy looks like a wall of menace and power. Mm. There is not even a single thing even slightly soft about him. This is someone you would be terrified to encounter anywhere under any circumstance. So Katie wakes up. <laughs> okay, you're in a cell of your own. And you look across the way, and there is someone in that cell, and that's Johnny. So, Johnny, why don't you tell Katie what she sees? He's a human man, but his age is really hard to pin down. At first, you think he's in his late 30s, but as you observe more and more of him, he may be significantly younger. His olive-colored skin has seen a lot of sun and is lined with wrinkles that might be contributing to an inaccurate sense of his age. His jet-black hair is a natty mess, too long to be called short, too short to be called long. He has a black mustache and a little soul-patch beard under his lower lip. If you could see his eyes, they would be dark, probably brown, and when he opens his mouth, you see that many of his teeth have been replaced with metal versions. Some older ones seem to be made of rusted iron. Some more recent replacements may be gold or something that shines like gold. He's probably about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, terribly, terribly lean and wiry, maybe a total of 130 pounds, and his body is kind of like curled in on itself like he's accustomed to unconsciously trying to take up as little space as possible. Picture John Hawks. Mm-hmm. John Hawks from Deadwood. He saw. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So there's two more details for Johnny. Oh God. The left side of his face has a marking on it. When you first see it from a distance, it looks like he's got a circular blotch of black scales. But when you get a better look at it, it does seem to be a hundred or more tiny equilateral triangles tattooed in dark black ink into his flesh. They're all exactly the same size, and they're arrayed in perfect geometric form by someone who is obviously incredibly particular about them. It looks like it may have started with one in the center and then spiraled out geometrically from there. Can you kind of picture what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Also, he has also been branded. He's got a shape burnt into the back of his neck between his shoulder blades. It's a squiggly line, could be a wave, could be a lightning bolt, hard to tell. Also, doesn't look recent. Looks like it. Uh, it is was, the same symbol. It is the same symbol when you guys open finally. But I can't see. You can't see him yet. The other two. You can't see Robert yet. All that said, as he curls in on himself, like Johnny described, this dude seems to almost vanish. Your eyes want to fall off him as if he wasn't there. He's like the Mr. Cellophane of your little <laughs> group of nameless misfits. And then. Katie, why don't you yeah. tell Johnny what he oh, am, sees? Am I, am I actually waking up? You were the last one to wake up. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> when you wake, you see a human-looking woman well into her middle ages. Currently, she probably seems to be around 50, but it's hard to tell. The circumstances have clearly been hard on a woman her age. 
She's tall with a slender build on the edge of frailty and a sharp bone structure. Her skin is olive toned, you think, at first, but then maybe it's more golden. Again, it's hard to tell, the light being what it is here. She doesn't look like she gets a lot of sun, but she doesn't look pale at all. That's clear. Her hair falls straight back from her forehead to just past her prominent shoulder blades. It has the look of pure silk and is a shade not so much gray as silver with a quality you would almost call metallic. She has high cheekbones and prominent dimples. And when you finally see them, her eyes have the color and luminescence of amethysts, a brilliant, striking violet. She looks like Vanessa Redgrave back when she was in her 50s. Something Katie doesn't know, but you can see quite clearly, she has a sickly looking stain on her skin as she moves around and you get views of her from different sides. It looks almost as though something had been poured over the back of her head and smeared all over her back, the backs of her arms, the backs of her legs. Basically all the places it would be hard for someone to see on themselves, even with the mirror, if that makes sense. <laughs> and whatever it was that had been poured over her or whatever, it stained her flesh this greasy purple gray color. And it's definitely a stain, not like something actually on the surface of her skin. She has also been branded. There is a crude eyeball mark burned into the back of her neck between her shoulder blades. Again, as with the two of you, uh, it doesn't look recent, probably done a very long time ago. The, the final takeaway from looking at her is this, this lady looks really sad and really kind, like she's been accustomed to giving and receiving care and respect. I kind of uh, avert my eyes since I'm assuming that she's also, also not naked. kind of like look away. So you've all seen each other. Back to the situation. I do have a little map here. You're each locked in your own separate cells, naked, with no equipment. A young woman in a blood-soaked doctor's coat is torturing a man to death with a pair of rusted burning shears. So the man is definitely about to die. She looks down at the toes that she just cut off lying on the floor. <laughs> looks like you lost something there. She reaches down, pops one into her mouth, starts chewing it noisily. Her coat has an embroidered patch that reads Dr. Ilesi Skeen, I-L-E-S-I-S-C-A-E-N. The room you're in is about 15 feet wide. You've got three 15-foot wide cells on the north wall, two cells on the southern wall. On the west end of the room. Oh, it's filled with rubble all the way to the ceiling, like there had been a cave-in and a cell down on that end. The westernmost cell on the north wall has an open door, seems to be empty. I guess probably Katie could sort of make that out. Mm -hmm. Then it's Johnny's character, followed by Robert's going west to east. On the southern wall, it's Katie's character on the west, Paul's character on the east. The table with the man strapped to it is in the middle of the room with a five foot wide path around it that the evil doctor lady is circling in. So she's kind of going on a path around. She's essentially walking right adjacent to your cells. Doesn't seem to notice that any of you are awake yet. She's very interested in chewing on that toe. The sideboard on the southern wall is covered in blades and beakers and papers and stuff. Right between the cell that Katie and Polly are in. Looks like there's a hallway going south on the west end of the room, but it's out of the reach of the torchlight and Johnny's character can't see what's down there. There's a short, narrow hallway on the east end of the room leading 10 feet or so to a closed wooden door. And right next to the hallway, 
are two dirty linen sacks, obviously filled with stuff. One large, one small. Piled with them are a straitjacket and two trashed books of some sort. One large and one small. That's the situation, folks. What do we do? Oh, God. (laughs) Does it seem to me like are the bars spaced enough that I might be able to slip a skinny arm through if I wanted to? Oh, yes. So they're definitely wide enough to slip an arm through, like maybe up to the shoulder. You don't feel like even as skinny as you are, you could get like torso through. Right. Maybe with an escape artist check, but it would be a hard one, but you could definitely get your arm out. Do I get the sense that I could reach something on that table? (laughs) Do get that sense. (laughs) Katie, that would also apply to you as well if you felt like you wanted to try to reach around the corner and grab something. A little hard in order to get your body yeah. where you can reach around. It'd be hard for you to see what you're looking at, but you can boom, 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 drop a hand on the You're table. talking about the table in between our the two little, cells. Yeah, the little sideboard table with all the with all the junk and stuff. I don't need to touch it. And so I can, we can also safely assume at this moment, by this time too, as you're all coming to and you're waking up facing into the room, probably like Robert wakes up, makes eye contact with Paul. Mm-hmm. The two of you wake up on the other side and make eye contact. You're aware of each other. You're mm-hmm. aware that this is happening. And I think, though you cannot see the person in the cell directly adjacent to you, assume you can see this person in the cell diagonal from you. So we can see underneath this Yes, uh, the table. Cart. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just a wooden table. It is, it is definitely not a surgical table <laughs> that the man is lying on. <laughs> the people that we can see in the other cells, yep. do we recognize them as having been through the experience that we remember? That's a great question. So I think even though we had to chronologically go through you all opening your eyes one by one, I think what would really happen, it would just be like, your eyes open. Mm -hmm. So you may have had that experience of like eyes opening, making eye contact with a stranger across Mm -hmm. the way. I think to assume that you may have gone through something together would not be an unrealistic or meta assumption. Well, I saw... Oh, Oh, but you didn't see faces. But but body shapes and sizes, like... I feel He's like little, me up, yeah. You know? I feel like you and I, sh- I made eye contact. Yeah, uh, yeah through very slitty masks yeah. and stuff. But, like, I shook him. I had a feel for his structure, how he was built. Does that look like the guy I might have shaken? I would like, buy that, yeah. Because you, you, you laid hands on him. It did. You for sure did. I mean, I, he probably thinks I killed him. That's <laughs> 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 not what I was doing. Does, um... Uh, doctor's movement have any sort of pattern to it? Can we watch for a little bit? No, not that you see, but she's, because she's as of yet unaware that you are a part of the equation, if you, if you said like, next time she walks by my cell, I want to reach out and try to grab her or something like that, you could do that. So she's not, she's not doing a a standardized route, but she's, she's taking her time. Is there, is there anything at all in this cell? There are some tatters of straw as though maybe there had once been like a pallet in there and otherwise that's about it. If I crouched into the I'm guessing westernmost corner of my cell, uh-huh. could I see what was on the table between my cell and Paul's character cell? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you so could. So is there anything on there that looks like it maybe weighs less than five pounds? You want to make a move over there and not be detected? I mean, I want to kind of crawl and lurch and like I'm still out of it. Okay. That's probably a, some kind of check that I'm not going to be great at. 
Well, let's see. You could do a stealth check if you wanted to try to not be noticed. You could give me a bluff check if you wanted to make it seem like you're just kind of rolling around in your sleep. It's the exact same modifier. Oh, so. well, so what, what story do you want to tell? Uh, she would definitely veer toward bluffing rather than Great. stealthing. Great. Uh, that's a 15. So I'm going to run this as an opposed check. I'm going to give the doctor a perception check. Those toes are probably delicious. They are so, so delicious. So, so delicious she doesn't seem to notice. So you've edged your way into the corner. Yeah, like by the door of my cell. So there's a dark red leather belt with a bunch of small pouches, kind of like a Renaissance superhero utility belt. There are three full flasks of acid sitting next to <laughs> two empty flasks of acid. There's a pile of ripped up parchment pages, flint and steel, hammers, scalpels, kitchen knives, a gardening trowel, some pliers, a bone saw, four or five chunks of stone like pieces of God. a collapsed wall, and a whole bunch of shards of broken glass and metal. So probably some of those weigh five pounds or less. Chunks of the stone? Yeah, for sure. What about the acid flasks? Yeah. Those are far more interesting. Anybody else attempting to maneuver into a different position while uh, Katie's doing that? Yeah, I'm going to try and get close to the table, the corner over here. Great. How do you want to go about doing that? You want to... I'm going to be stealthy stealthy? about it. Great. I'm going to try to be stealthy about it. I'm just going to use the same perception check I rolled earlier. Well, a 10 in my stealth bonus is plus 3, so that's a 13. Excellent. So she's chewing toes. She's on toe 3 now. And uh, probably even like she's walking by and you're edging into the corner. She stops right in front of you. Like, oh, did you know? Nope, she's going to open her toe. Pops the toe in her mouth. Who's superior now? She licks the end of the foot where the toes had been. What's she doing with the bones? Oh, she's crunching on the bones. Oh, she's so crunching gross. and swallowing the bones. Anything from uh, Johnny or Robert in a putting yourself into some sort of position way? This is, this is how it's going to be. I will, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put myself like in this corner. Are you standing Are we, up? Yes, I'm going to. Well, I'm going to crouch. I'm crouching. I'm not standing up full. I'll tell you what I want to do, and you tell me if it gets interrupted by her noticing. Um, okay. I would try to creep into that corner and as soon as she's within arm's reach uh, I want to pull her and hold her against the bars. Great, great, great. Okay, so give me a stealth check to get there unnoticed. Stealth. Oh, but, yeah. but I'm really good at stealth. Or if, or if you have another skill that you want to argue would be more useful. <laughs> He's just a mountain. No, I think stealth's going to be Okay. I mean, really, it can't be that far to move. Probably take Natural up. 20. Oh, yes. bingo. Excellent. So we've got, we've got the one light source in the room is this torch hanging over the table. So it's just like giant dude sinks into the shadows against the sort of corner <laughs> of the wall and edges his way close. Johnny, anything you want to do? So uh, as the player, I heard you talk about things on that table and stuff. Yeah. Is my character able to see that stuff or do Let's I have to move? See, it's behind... Oh, I think it's behind the surgery table for okay. you. I think your view is a little cut off. Okay, I, I'm going to try to shift myself closer to my door as well. Great. And try to see if there's anything that I might be able to, like, try to look at that lock without looking at the lock or assuming oh, that yeah, it's locked yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So do you want to be stealthy? you want to be bluffy? How you want to I will there? be stealthy. Great. That is going to be total of 15. Great. All right, you're good. I'm going to wipe away that perception check of hers. That was sort of that one round of how much does she notice what's happening around her. 
And thus far, it seems as though she didn't. Those of you that can see Robert, he's clearly readying himself to grab her. Do any of you want to? I can't see yeah. that. No, yeah. I can, but I can see her looking at something over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Behind me to the left. And, and you can see Paul. Oh, give me give me the perception check on the actual lock itself, John. Oh, okay. Uh, that would be uh, 17. It does seem to be locked, and it does look like you would either need tools or a key. Okay. Since I saw her and we locked eyes and stuff, I'm going to kind of be like making a symbol of pointing at the lock mm-hmm. and then kind of being like key or anything Yeah. to me. Give me a perception check, Katie. Yeah. And also Paul. 14 for me. Great. Not good. I didn't notice anything. <laughs> I got a three plus one. So, Paul, you were obviously like a little moment of playing very still as she was bending down to yeah. uh, get the toe. But, Katie, you notice unknown dude across the way is making a key gesture, yeah. and you look back over at the woman as she's fussing with toes. You see she's got a little key thing tucked on the right side of her, so like essentially Great. right next to where Paul's so character is. So I nod a little and then jerk my head to her, look at my hip, and nod again. Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to be like, if I mouth. Mouthing is not helpful on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for what it's worth, you mouth the words, anything else? How about a sense motive check, Katie? See if you can pick up a, a bad roll. Could I, yeah, could I, could I do a bluff check to try to transmit a 19? secret message? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do All that. Right. 16. I got a 19 on my sense motive. Okay. So I understood you asked anything else, but are you asking me anything else about her? No, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to transmit the idea of like something to help me with this lock. Yeah. Like I can maybe and mess I, with this I lock. I nod vigorously <laughs> and I make a key gesture and I jerk my head at her again. Awesome. So she's, she's left where Paul is at and curving around... Who's this here? That's me. Well, that's you. Oh. All right. She's coming by. You want to you grab? I read the action. All right. So for grappling, you're going to make a combat maneuver check. And this can be against her CMD, her combat maneuver defense. That's an 18. Because she's flat-footed and had no idea that you were coming by, you reach a massive arm out and you're able to pin her back against the bars. She is freaky bendy. You get the sense if you had not caught her off guard, there's no way that that grab would have worked despite your strength. But like you're holding her, you can kind of feel her rib cage flattening as you press her against the bars. It kind of feels like she's squishing a little bit, but she is now grappled. And we're gonna roll initiative because now we're in actual combat and we all know it. Katie. 21. And Polly. 13. And Robert. 21. And Johnny. Six. Oh, big six. Great. Modifiers plus two. Mine's plus one. What was that you were talking about there? We're talking about our uh, tied initiative rolls. In the event that two or more players roll the same initiative number, we go back to what that initiative modifier is, and whoever is higher goes first. And how does an initiative modifier get made up? It's based on your dexterity bonus or, and possibly any other feats or class abilities that you might have. And who is the winner? Me. 
Congratulations. Thanks for asking me about it, Johnny. So we're in round one of our first actual non-dream combat. (laughs) At the moment, we start with Dr. Skeen pinned against the cell by Robert's half-orc arm. And uh, we're going to begin with Katie. You've got a standard action and a move action. What do you want to do? I know things about the world that I'm quite sure about. Your character does? Yes. I know that not everything is always as it seems. Some people can do things that other people can't. Oh. I also think that maybe I'm one of those people. Oh, you think you're pretty special, do you? I sure do. (laughs) This is what I'd like to do. Okay. I see the keys on her hip. Yes. I feel like if they weigh less than five pounds, I could maybe throw those keys towards the gentleman in the cell across from me. And how do you want to go about doing that? Well, so I understand how some things work, and I know that other people who do this use words and gestures to manipulate reality, but I don't know what those words or gestures are. (laughs) So uh, my mind starts racing with what they could possibly be, like a throwing gesture or an image of the keys themselves flying through the air and that image is so delightful. I even see the man across from me like reach his hand out through the cell to grab them as they fly towards him and I'm feeling dreadfully mischievous. I don't know what's about to happen but I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm already trying to bend the rules like you, Johnny. (laughs) Sure are. (laughs) Okay, so you do get the sense that Maybe if you pull off what you think you're trying to pull off, you might be able to. It's normally supposed to be done on an unattended thing, but like the keys are just hanging on a hook. So I'm, here's what I'm thinking and see if this makes sense to you. Getting them to fly laterally would be hard, but getting them to fly like directly straight up so it goes up off the hook yeah. would be possible. So I don't think you could, in a first attempt at doing this, shoot them right. laterally so, to Johnny, right, but I you could send them like either to, yeah, the get them off or closer to Polly maybe or something like that. Can I get them closer to me? Or is it no difference between me and the person in the cell across from me? Or could I get them closer to the guy holding her? The easiest thing would be get him to the big half-work guy. Okay. Next easiest would be Paul's character. I think you're gonna be tricky because the table's in the way. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna... Try to get him to him. Uh-huh. While pointing furiously at the cell across from me. <laughs> like, get them to him. Get them to him. Well, she's <laughs> the grabbing. only person he can't see. <laughs> yeah. He's grabbing rubber lady. Okay, yeah. so you so, yeah. So you make so suggestions. The keys fly up off her belt uh-huh. and land where they will. I mean, there's a normally uh, ranged attack involved, so if you want me to make that yeah, roll to Why see kind that? of where they end up related to where I want them to end up. Oh, 11. Awesome. So the keys fly straight up into the air. This um, is off of her belt. Off of her belt and crash right back down essentially at your feet, Robert, within easy reach. Or kick up. And oh, then I'm, oh, I'm Robert, you're up next. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, conveniently enough, you're up next, Robert. Great. Okay. If there is a feat that allows that part of that feat is making an intimidate check. Does that intimidate check take part of the move or standard action, or is that folded into whatever else is going on? I guess it would depend on the feat. 
Well, should I just say what I do? And yeah. Then you, because you'll know what I'm doing. I think. <laughs> this is so much I'm fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is awesome. I want to take that <laughs> yeah, and then that, squeeze that be- her and then try to get that effect. So basically, I have to take the action to do the thing, to yep. get the thing. <laughs> then I have to squeeze, and then there would be the intimidate check. So can all that fit into a single? A single. Yeah, yeah, thing. I think it could. So, what, okay, how, how do we want to make this happen first? Me using my class ability that first, or the grapple check first? Class ability first. Okay. You kind of see my guy's eyes go a little dull. <laughs> Duller. Duller than they usually are. <laughs> and then you see him crack his neck once in each direction, just... <laughs> and then he squeezes for his, his grapple check. Great. And so that's, him George. That's CMB, right? Yep. Uh, 18. Cool. Okay, that is a success. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you want to do it to damage, right? Yes. Great. I'm doing non-lethal. Okay, great. So that's just my normal unarmed. It is. So that's nine points of non-lethal damage. Max, max. And then um, I'm going to make an intimidate check. Yep. Uh, 22. Success. Yes. So So she is is, is demoralized for nine rounds. Wow. (laughs) Because it's the number of rounds equal to the damage. That is fantastic. That's Um, intense. I don't know what that is, but I can't wait for you to tell us about it later because that's awesome. Yeah, she's shaking. She takes a minus two penalty on all attack rolls, saving throws, skill checks, and ability checks. So nine (laughs) rounds. That is seriously deep. Awesome. And that's just a a standard action. Oh, no, the first time. Because I I used a move action to to take the thing. But as I'm, I'm, can we just have some flavor? Oh, yeah. As part of the Intimidate, I just say, yeah, that would tell me what's going on right now and who the fuck are you? (laughs) Oh. She says, and she turns her head, so, you know, her body, your, both your bodies are facing the same way, and you've got your arm wrapped around, you're squeezing, you're squeezing, you're squeezing. She turns oh her head completely backwards, oh, and she oh says, God. oh, don't worry, you'll get your turn soon enough. And then this long tongue comes out, and kind of, it's purple, and it licks the side of your face, and nope. it's amazing. Nope, nope, Oh, like she's it. up, okay. Oh, okay. no, this okay. is not good. That's horrible. Okay. All right. Did you see it? You probably didn't see it. I oh, yeah, no, he wouldn't see it. Johnny's totally character saw. did not see it. <laughs> oh, no, I All right, so it. she I, needs to break out face. of this grapple. So she's Freak going to... Uh, uh, <laughs> she's so focused on licking your face that I'm pretty sure an eight doesn't beat your CM. Does yeah. not. <laughs> great, great. Does not. And that's all she can do because she's grappled and held. Polly, you're up. Well, this is freaky deaky, and I need to get out of here. So... I want to stand and yep. reach through the bars and grab for whatever my hand lays on. Uh, roll a 12-sider. Tw- a 12-sider? Yeah. Blask of acid, blask of acid. 11. You've got a bone saw in your hand. <laughs> I've got a bone saw in my hand. It's not the first time he's heard that. <laughs> Move action to stand. Move action to grab the stuff. All right. That's where I'm at That's right where you're now. at. You're standing there with a bone saw. Uh, Johnny. So I can see that she's been grappled at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Or can you I can not? Tell, but well, you I mean, can't see I just her. heard. I, I mean, I heard some. Yes, you for sure. You're stuff, aware so of the like, scuffle. All right, so I'm gonna also stand up and like put my head so that I can see what's going on. Oh, it's kind of squeezing through the bars. Yeah, great. Squeeze so that I can look and see what's going on. Okay, sure. Yeah, I would say that you can like. So, wrench so, when, your I, head so, when, I, so when I stand up and look uh-huh. and perceive the room, can I now see things in the room that I yeah. couldn't see before? Yes. yes. Okay. I see that red belt 
and I go, I say to the lady, get that, 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 uh, the belt. Give me the belt. The do belt. With, do with that what you will on round two, Katie. Can I see the belt? Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. I frown, but I, again, imagine the belt winging through the air and landing at his feet. Again, with that feeling of look at what I could do. All right, That's excellent. I'm going to try to do. Give me a range attack. 15. Great, awesome. So, Johnny, the belt goes flying across the way and it is grabbable by you next turn. Let's say it's at your feet. So, like, what did we? What did I just see? <laughs> the belt, she looked at it. Is she waving her arms around and using words? No. Okay, so she turns and looks at it, gets this mischievous expression on her face, and you see the belt lift up in the air and whoo, loft across the room and land at your feet. And then she wow. stands up. Wow. Cool. Robert, you're up. So I've got her I've got her with one arm against the bars. Do I still have another hand free? Yeah. And is the tongue still out licking me? <laughs> if you'd like to be sure. Can I while while grappling with the one hand, can I grab the tongue with the the other? <laughs> yeah, give me a dex check, why not? Uh twenty-one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Alright. So you have her torso pinned and now you're holding her tongue in your other hand, and it's like purple, it's got two little forks at the end, and it's writhing and (laughs) flapping around in your hand like an eel. And now can I still try to do damage? Sure, yes. (laughs) To the tongue? Sure, if we want to be that specific. That's that's what I'm I'm picturing. I'm picturing... Disarm tongue? Uh, 19. Yes, that is enough to damage her. Alright, so give me your... uh, Is this lethal damage? This is lethal. Oh. Uh, Eight points of lethal damage. Oh. The rest of you, you're hearing stuff like crack and break inside of her as he's just squeezing with the one arm and squeezing her tongue with the other arm. How does she seem to be reacting to this? She's enjoying the pain. I kind of anticipated that. (laughs) And then as you're holding her tongue and staring into her face, her face like cracks, bends, twists, and it turns into the face of this horrifying half-orc monstrosity. It's his face that you've never (laughs) seen before in your life. And then, you will have your turn. (laughs) You will have your turn is what it says. It's a long (laughs) tell because you're holding your tongue. Um, So she says that with his own face, to his face, inches away from his face, and lashes out behind her, which, you know, actually in front of her, but behind where her head is facing, with the pruning shears to start stabbing the man on the table to death. Huh. She hits him in the chest. Is there any any penalty for her being oh, grappled? Yeah. While? Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, she's got the grapple penalty and she's got the shaken penalty. Okay, I just uh, made Yes, no, I appreciate that. All right, he is unconscious and dying. The man on the table. Polly. Kick those keys over here. So I just hear that. Yeah. I don't see him. Right, Kick yes. those over here. Now! <laughs> Johnny. I reached around and grabbed my belt. You got it. What's in it? What 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 do I, what do I like? It's filled with small beakers and bottles and powders and weird fluids. Some of the equipment seems to be broken. Some of it looks like it's definitely missing. Like there's like a, a specially shaped pouch that doesn't have a thing in it. You're like, hmm, I know something special goes there. But like what's there looks usable if somebody knew what to do with it. Is there is there anything that looks like I that I could use to mess with this door? Not in this belt. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of liquids and powders. You wanted the belt. <laughs> is he like, do you look disappointed? 
I'm sure he <laughs> probably looks pretty there, disappointed. Staring across like, there were keys. Like, <laughs> Sad face. Sad face. Uh. <laughs> Picked up the belt. I looked through the belt. That's, that's, that's my turn. Great. Round three, Katie. Now I'm picturing <laughs> the keys on the floor. Yeah. Flying up over her head to land, you know, like in a line across to the cell across the way where I heard a man's voice calling for the keys. Oh, from the direction of Polly's cell. Yeah, great, who great, I can't great. see, but... But you, that's very easy, too. Yeah. All right, so give me an attack roll on that. Ooh, six. Great, good. So, Paul, the keys just, of their own accord, go boom, flying across the way and crash against the bars right in front of you. Nice. And they are right there. Thank you. I'm terrified by that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, you're up. I go, oh, when I see the keys move. Because <laughs> that's terrifying. Um, but that frees me up to continue to squeeze her. <laughs> yes, it does. So Grapple check. You do what you know. So that's a 17. Oh, okay. All the conditions going on. Grapple, shaken. Okay, so she's fighting back for all she's worth. Not enough to damage her, and maybe it's the sight of this face that is right in your face that feels weirdly familiar, <laughs> even though you've never seen it before, or have you? You don't manage to damage her this turn. Okay. What does it look like what he's been doing to her? Yeah, I'm, I'm with, with the one hand, the first hand I got her with, I'm squeezing her mm-hmm. against the bars, and then with the other hand, I've reached around and I'm wrenching on her long, gross like, purple tongue. Like, Twisting it. Twisting. If, if it were trying to rip out, that would not upset him. Does the did the tongue uh, continue to be there when it took on this uh, yeah, other it did. other face? Okay, it did. So then she leaves her tongue in his hand, turns the half orc face back around. It's like the tongue is like wrapped halfway around her head, and then a couple feet over into, Ugh. and she's staring down. You know, tongue wrapped around her face, so she can see the body, and she's just taking pruning shears and stabbing, stabbing, stabbing into his chest. She's so happy. All right, he dies. Oh! Polly, you got the keys. Hope he didn't have some very well, important Well, I'm going to try and open my cell. Okay. With the keys. You succeed. Okay. Move action. So that's a move action yep. to do that? And now I have a standard action? Mm-hmm. Can I take oh, a double? Oh, you had to move over there, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I had to uh, move over there. yeah okay. So probably move over to the cell, move action to get it open. Uh-huh. And then uh, you're now standing in an open door. Ready for next turn. Ready for my next turn. Yeah. Okay. Johnny. I, I see him open the yes, door you, and stuff. Yes. So I'm going to hold. Okay. I'm going to hold my action. I'm going to wait. Round four. Katie. Okay. Now I I am going to crane my head out the bars as much as I can and spot one of the acid flasks on the table. <laughs> yes. And summoning up in the face of all this horrific shit that same playfulness, mischievousness, I picture that thing hitting her right in the face. Excellent. Give me an attack roll. 18. Oh, yeah, that is quite a hit. So go ahead and roll the 1d6 from the spell. Four. All right, so it splashes into her chest. And then you see acid goes everywhere, starts dissolving the chunks of the white doctor's robe that she's wearing, and it's eating in at her flesh. And she keeps her tongue backwards in in Robert's hand as she sort of looks down. And And then she takes 
the hand that's free away from Robert's hand where she's sort of been struggling and is like sticking her hands in it. <laughs> and she says, oh, maybe we're all a little bit weak, aren't we? Robert, you're up. God, this is um, horrible. It's so okay. creepy. She has not attacked me yet, correct? No, she's okay. she's tried to get out unsuccessfully, and then she's killed the man. Okay, but she and she is wounded. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Oh yes. Um, I would hope so. I'm going to take another move action. And yeah. See his eyes go, and you see him go. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so he's going to. Uh, I'm going to come take a look. I don't know what so this is, but it's so taking, awesome. He's taking that. Oh yeah, yeah. great, great, great. Um, Robert so. is showing Rob his character sheet on his iPad. Also, when he's going, his neck is twisting in a very creepy way. <laughs> okay, so I'm making my yes. uh, uh, my check. So that's a eighteen. That's fantastic. That's what you needed. All right. <gasps> yes, you damage her. And this is. Uh, so he gets an extra plus one on damage. So that's nine points of damage. Oh, All right. So squeeze, 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 and then there's just this snap, and the top chunk of her torso flops like <laughs> Play-Doh over the front of him, and she turns into liquid gray sludge, melts out of your hands <gasps> into a shape on the floor like a long distended pale, vaguely humanoid thing with two pupilless eyeballs. And that is the end of the doctor. And the end of chapter one. We'll pick up here next time. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Fantastic. Did we level? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.